0: All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the line Mr. Chris Sheridan. What a surprise. Mr. Chris Sheridan is here today. That's a, I, who would have known like, would some have surprise guest
1: su- podcast guest, <laughs> right? I've got a it surprise been revealed. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: amazing. So you, you, had were, no you had no idea, but did not see that. Here, here you are today. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for showing up as you do every week. I appreciate your, your support and your intelligent commentary and spiritual insight, sir. Uh, thank you. All right. So starting off today, uh, we're actually going to be talking about uh, victory over the soul. Excuse me, victory of the soul over circumstance, which is a lecture on uh, the Manly Hall Society site that Chris runs. Uh, beautiful job on that video, by the way. Uh, the audio is fantastic that you restored, and the um, the imagery looks fantastic as well. So check that out. Go to Manly Hall Society on uh youtube and you can find it there or they can also go to to com, and they can get to the site through there right
1: yes okay
0: so either of those places and we're going to have the tr- you're going to have the transcript up there on manlyhall.com uh, as well right so the transcript for this victory of the soul over circumstance is that yes. correct okay
1: perfect. yes i will have that and that's what we're
0: that is what we're working taking from. a look
1: at today yeah um, we're going to discuss some of the major points and uh and it really does help to have the transcripts. It, if those of you who are not familiar with Manley Hall, Hall, um, amazing speaker, gave thousands of lectures in the 20th century from the 20s to the 90s and on esoteric and symbolic philosophy and ways of living uh, ancient wisdom for problems of today. And he would speak for an hour to an hour and a half at a time without taking a sip of water or anything. So there's just a lot of words, a lot of uh, information that he kind of gives out. Uh, so sometimes when, if you listen to the, you know, the lectures, it's, it's good also, if you're really going to study them to have the transcript. So that's, we're trying to make more and more of those available. I think it helps when we're discussing something to have the transcript as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, maybe that's personal because I'm kind of a literal person. I and mean, I like yeah. looking at, you know, studying wise, I like seeing it on paper, at least on an e-reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, so trying to make these uh, transcripts. And also you can, uh, if you do listen to any of the lectures or watch the videos on YouTube, uh, at least on the Mainly Hall Society, uh, because the audio is fairly clean, uh, you can put the closed captions on or the subtitles. And uh, sometimes it just helps to see the words too while he's speaking. I don't know. It's just another way to to, to engage engage this information. Sometimes something pops out in a way that, you know, if you hear it, uh, maybe you would have missed it. Other times, if you just look at a bunch of words, you might miss something. But the tone of his voice will capture you. So, why not hit it with hit both? You know, yeah. get the words and the audio going and uh, really engage this material. Absolutely, great, great, uh, great point. Um, you know,
0: we're trying obviously to to do the the same type of type of work that he was engaged in, sharing this ancient wisdom, sharing the esoteric wisdom, and spiritual, uh, knowledge and so forth. And so far as we've been able to, you know, uh, use it in our own lives and learn, um, different things from, from our teachers and so on. So we're really just kind of trying to pass that, that light of wisdom forward, uh, to you guys listening. And, um, you know, hopefully that, uh, helps you have a little better life. So if you can, please share us with your friends and so forth. We're really trying to take the show to the next level. So you can share us on social media. And if you like what we're doing, you know, share us on, on Instagram and like us and, you know, even tell your friends about us and so on. You know, if you just look up cosmic eye podcast, uh, we come up first on, on Google. And so, uh, you know, we've done enough of these things now, so we're getting some traction on there. So if you just tell them about us, they'll, they'll be able to find us. Um, and if you can also please, uh, share with a, uh, a monthly donation, you can go to anchor.fm slash cosmic eye and make a donation there as little as 99 cents or, you know, as much as you like there. So uh we appreciate our our listeners who have supported us and are supporting us. uh thank you guys you helping us keep us on uh on the air, so to speak in the podcasting world so let's let's take this information out there and try to try to make a better world to live in and uh, you know Chris and I also are are planning on uh, opening a center one of these days we're definitely working towards that, so you know every little bit helps when you can share uh so you know, please help the cause. All right, so victory of the soul over circumstance, as I said, is what we're going to talk about today. Uh, But first, I'm going to share actually from uh, the Daily Word. This is a unity pamphlet, Unity Church, which is a New Thought Church. just thought this one was really appropriate for these kind of challenging times we're in. So let me go ahead and read this. I find the peace of God in the silence within me. The Hebrew scriptures tell the story of the word of the Lord commanding the prophet Elijah to stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. As he waits, Elijah fails to find God as he endures a wind strong enough to split mountains, an earthquake, and then a fire. Then Elijah discovers God in a sound of sheer silence. Sometimes chaos surrounds me as I try to find the peace of God. Other times the chaos may be inside me. I persist in my efforts as I confront inner storms, fires and earthquakes as I search for the peace. Like Elijah, I remain steadfast in faith, undisturbed by what is happening around me. I wait for distractions to pass. Peace is mine. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. That's from First 1 Kings 1912. And the title of this week's is "Inner Peace." So you can find those daily word uh, messages if you just look up Unity online and uh, go to the daily word those messages are there. They're always they're always quite spot on for me whenever I whenever I read them they seem to have a a special resonance whenever whenever you really open the book up and kind of need it there's something there for you. So you can either order that or, or check it out online. All right, so to the lesson at hand, let us get into victory of the soul over circumstance. All right, so do you want to start and uh, maybe read that little section um, that we talked about on, on page four there? Uh, and sure. kind of go through yeah. that just to contextualize what we're talking about by the soul. And he speaks about the wedding garment and so on. So let's, we'll get into that first, I think, right?
1: All right. Well, he's talking about, he says, when we speak of the victory of soul over circumstance, we refer to the growth of inner light over the pressures and problems of outer living. And this is really a core piece of his life's work. Mm -hmm. In some ways has been reiterating this idea, uh, this principle, this law, I believe, um, that what we do on the inside, our inner resources, our inner strength, our confidence, uh, inner divinity, inner knowledge, uh, is the is not only capable of transcending our outer difficulties it's the only thing that will yeah you can mess around with the outer world changing outer things with other people and and that you get some effects to some degree a transformative effect effect that can't be but you're always having to do that you know mm-hmm. the wind blows one way and you got to shuffle things back here then it blows that way and you got to shuffle them back in there the other way, uh, but this inner conviction, this inner strength, and that is uh, what he's talking about, you know, the soul, and we can definitely develop what uh, some of his ideas are on the soul, at least in this lecture, um, and, you know, being this inner existence over the outer world, and, you know, myths and religious scriptures, across cultures throughout time have often spoken to this inner and outer connection uh, through myths and symbols and allegories, uh, they're told as stories that are, well, you're out there and this happens and you, you know fall overboard and you're in the belly of a whale and now you're over here doing this. It's, or you're taking this epic journey, this odyssey, the hero's journey. Uh, yes, there may be a physical outer thing. There kind of always is, we're, we're physical beings. But the real lesson, the real characters, the real processes, real lessons are the ones that we learn inside. The growth is inner growth. And when we grow on the inside, we can transcend and supersede what is difficult on the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can become easier. It can be more understandable, less frightening um we can be more just even just think of it as just confidence in that sense somebody who's in a genuinely self-confident not somebody who's trying to overcompensate because they feel (laughs) insecure that they beam in self-confidence but that's kind of a false one Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a peacefulness to it Uh, you don't have to fight for it you don't really have to prove it Uh, and that way if somebody writes you a nice letter or gives you complimentary uh feedback on your website um you know, well that's really nice and 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 but you're not dependent on that to feel good about yourself likewise if somebody makes you know poor comments or bullies you or harasses you at work in a you know bad way mm. um, if that throws you off course Um, then you're always going to be trying to avoid the things that make you feel bad. And you're trying to, you know, do the things and please other people and get that positive feedback that you need to feel good about yourself. Uh, That's living in the outer world, that's circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, But with the soul, with the soul growth, the inner growth, um, we can reach a point of connectivity to something larger than ourselves and a peacefulness and confidence within ourselves uh, that those outer things don't really sway us that much. Yeah, they might be favorable or unfavorable, but but they're not it's not we're not going to get uprooted by it or dependent on them um, for our own you know sense of self. And that's really uh, I think what he gets at. Yeah. yeah. In this and in, in thousands of other lectures sure. and pamphlets and books that, that he's written, uh, that it change begins at home. You want to change the world, change change your inner world. Mhm yeah exactly Uh, the outer world will be the same but it it won't be the same to you (laughs) yeah exactly that's a good point you know so uh i don't know if that is a good launching off uh, yeah i think it is but i I think that contextualizes where where he's coming from and what he uh gets at in a very really interesting way i like how he goes about. yeah and i think one of
0: the one of the more interesting is to kind of loop back to the the beginning of this the whole idea that the soul And uh, this symbolic representation of the soul that he talks about as the golden wedding garment. So there's this idea in in Christian mysticism and esoteric Christianity of the golden wedding garment that's worn to the wedding of the lamb. So the golden wedding garment that he's talking about is the the soul itself. And he talks about the soul as being a, a phase of the magnetic field in the human body. Um, and he's getting into that idea where he, he actually talks later about how that uh, connects to the, the story of um, Jack and the Beanstalk and some of these ideas with uh, the spine and the chakras and so on. But he's you know really speaking to the soul as sort of a um, and sort of an auric um, or etheric kind of a, kind of a part of ourselves, right? Uh, again, he uses the term magnetic field quite a bit. And I, I like the way that he gets into that because, it, you know, when you think about a magnet, a magnet is something that, that draws, you know, draws something to itself it as a quality of drawing and, 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 you know, magnetizing and pulling towards itself. You know, and I think that, you know, the soul then being this sort of magnetic field, Uh, that's built up of all the actions and thoughts and you know words and 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 the various deeds in our life good deeds and bad deeds and you know the different things that make up our life you know sort of magnetizes this field or this soul uh to the to the degree that we we feed it you know what i mean and and, and i think that he speaks quite a bit about that how there's a sort of uh personal responsibility for this soul you know for this golden wedding garment now i think what he means uh by this golden wedding garment because he, he actually talks about is, is is again like this or, sort of aura or this kind of quality this luminous quality to the soul but the marriage of the lamb uh really means i mean one of the meanings of it he gets into this at the end i'll just kind of skip ahead since we're talking about it but at the end of the the, the lecture he talks about how this is the union of the individual soul with the world soul uh, in other words, the union of the individual and the and the and the greater and the divine mind. So this, you know, this our soul and the the over soul, as it were. Uh, so that's the marriage of the that's the marriage of the lamb. You know, and again, that's there's the Christian symbolic nature of that and connotations to it as well with Jesus and and so on. But I mean, for us participating in that, you know, that's our our own soul's sort of experience of that union, you know, with the divine. And that you know we you know, we build that by by really building that golden wedding garment within us, right?
1: Well, we do, and he uh, just although briefly mentions mm-hmm. them. Uh, it, it's also analogous to uh, the elixir of life, the philosopher's stone, created by the alchemist when the base metals are transmuted into the glorious golden. Uh, but it's an all an inner process yeah. that we're you know uh, unfolding that. Um, within ourselves uh, and yes, we have to work. We have, we have to do some, some cleaning up and some housework and some discipline um, to get that. So I think this wedding garment, I think, I don't know too much about the, you know, the mythology behind it but it's, all, it's something that's created that it's, it, you take time mm-hmm. and care to construct and sew this garment with all the good things that you want to bring in, you know, this marriage of the sun and the moon, the silver and gold, again, with, with alchemy, you know, produces this essence, uh, this, this connection, Mm -hmm. um, that yes, will transcend any earthly condition. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it goes beyond that. This is one phase of that. And this is a part of that, but it's a much, much larger experience or, what uh, Carl Jung might say, uh, you know, the capital S self, Mm -hmm. you know, the small self and the capital S self this larger transcendent. Yeah. The the totality of our, of our, of our being is what
0: I think he kind of meant by that, which is an interesting, you know, you're right. That's an interesting analogy that goes along with, or not analogy, but an interesting comparison. Um, he speaks to, and I think this is, this is important. And Manley, Manley Hall was a very practical philosopher. We talked a little bit about this uh, before the show in his early days. And he's most well known for his book, the secret teachings of all ages, which we did a a big show on. That was like, I believe our first podcast that we did a special on that secret teachings. Uh, So you can go back and listen to that if you're interested in that. Uh, But you know it's it's one of these books of of esoteric and occult symbolism and it's you know beautifully done it's a fantastic book and i highly urge anyone to get it who has not purchased it or who has not read it but it's interesting how in his early days he was really focused on on the sort of more mystical and occult and esoteric aspects of of you know spiritual and religious life and you know devoted much 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 of his time to to writing in that area and speaking on that and you see, as as time went on, and especially uh, as you know, you formed the PRS, and Chris, you pointed out that that was in uh, 1933,
1: 1934,
0: right? Yeah, um yeah. And so, you know, at this time, you know, things are becoming a bit more serious. The 20s were were, you know, the, the late 1800s and the early 1900s were, you know, a period of time where there was quite a bit of wealth, obviously, around the world and a lot of new mobility and a lot of sort of frivolous kind of activities. And at the same time, there was a great interest in esoteric subjects. And, you know, as the 30s rolled around and, you know, the Great Depression came in and so on, people became a lot more serious. And a lot of these movements, you know, actually didn't didn't survive through that time. Manly Halls did. And it actually thrived and survived uh, through 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 all those challenges, but it, it seems that he became a bit more. Um, pr- I guess I don't want to say practical because the esoteric philosophy is practical, but he came. It, it, but it's a little more grounded in a sense and a little more simplified in so, in some ways as he goes along, especially into the fifties and sixties. Um, and he's just really talking more about ethics and morality and behavior and you know sort of day to day things that that we need to do in order to even reach up and, you know, work in this esoteric world as it were, you know, and I think sometimes we can get caught up because it's, you know, it's a lot of fun to, to be interested in all these different things and try to figure out all these different conspiracies and, you know, unlock symbolism and, you know, figure out what, you know, what's really going on with these different things and all that stuff's fantastic. And it's, you know, it's what we do, but also, you know, he really, and, and we're trying to do, do this as well in, in a lot of our podcasts, is sort of encourage, you know, getting one's own house in order, you know. And that means doing things in a, in a better way, doing things more efficiently, doing things in a more kind way, doing things in a more um, connected and compassionate way, you know, doing those good deeds. Because he really talks about that, that golden wedding garment. He says it's earned. It's earned by your labors of life. Mm. And that protects you from within. You know, that, that the so really the actions are, are quite important in this. You know, and that was one of the things, and again, I kind of mentioned this when we were talking before the show, that was one of the things that, that Buddha really stressed was the practical aspects of things. You know, so he wouldn't speculate on God or the gods or what happened after you died or, or this or that. And, you know, and so oftentimes Buddhism is, 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 you know, questioned as to whether or not it's a religion, you know, whether it's atheistic and its outlook and so on and all these different things. But the sheer fact of the matter is that he really just wouldn't comment on these things, you know, and different interpreters have said, well, that means there isn't anything. And some people said, well, that may, maybe means there is something, but he just doesn't want to talk about it. But the point is, though, he really stressed the practical, um, the practical sort of experiences of life and what you need to do to get your own sort of mental psychological house in order. And then once you do that, then, you know, those, those spiritual experiences, those esoteric experiences and so on will unfold in a, in a constructive way. And I think sometimes we get it backwards. You know, we want to go after all this really high level esoteric and occult material. And, you know, and we, we, (laughs) don't treat our families well, or we're, you know, we're rude when we're out driving or we, you know, we're, we're not doing the basic things. It's like, Oh no, I'm too advanced for that. I don't need to, (laughs) do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't need to be honest in business or have any integrity because that's, that's, that's some, that's for mere mortals. I am on this esoteric level. You know what I mean? And I think he, he recognized that people were falling into that trap even back in the, you know, in the 30s and 40s, I think. And that's why I think he started to kind of move in this more practical direction.
1: with man, Man-Man
0: hall, I mean, um, do, you, do you agree?
1: I think, in, yeah, I do. And it's, you know, Buddhism is, just to yep. back up, is, you know, inherently psychological, mm-hmm. um, a personal psychology on how you think and how you feel and what's going mm-hmm. on in your head. Um, you know, a lot. of Yeah, it, yeah, for way. sure. Uh, And that's you know, and that's where I think pop psychology sort of became a thing in the '50s and Mm -hmm. '60s. Um, This particular lecture is from the '90s, from 1990. It was in his last year of life and work, Um, but it's it's as timeless as really anything else. It's perfect for now, Uh, and it could have worked you know 300 years ago. Most of what he's he's getting at. And it is this personal responsibility. It is this thing that we have to build and to improve oneself, to unfold this soul power. Uh, he talks about the redemption of the soul, this redemptive mm-hmm. power um, that we all have. And he makes a distinction between um, you know, the animal kingdoms and uh, the kingdom of, of humanity. And that you know the earth supplies everything. We may be of the earth, earthy like the animals uh, and plants and everything, um, but the earth is enough for them, for all of them to you know live and grow and and have their being. We um, need something else uh, in order to like we're we're not uh, a complete project mm-hmm. yet. We're almost <laughs> finished, um, but we have to do uh, it's a little do it yourself to. Um, finish this off and so he mentions it you know i'll just pull up yeah. quotes here he goes humanity has the power of redemption within itself and each individual has the power of redemption within himself so collectively we can redeem ourselves individually we must redeem ourselves but we come with that power it comes with the instructions and everything we need um to be able to do it um he quotes Plotinus uh, in his essay on the beautiful, uh, saying that while the roots of man are in the earth, the flower and the seed is in heaven. And this is this mysterious part of being a human being where, yes, we're you know, a mammal and a creature and we do all these earthly creature things that a lot of other animals mm-hmm. do, um, but we have this other mysterious sense of being connected to the stars and uh, the life beyond and ponder our own existence. Uh, so we we really do live in two worlds. Uh, we are kind of you know a hybrid creature in in a way that other animals aren't uh, but getting back to this this redemption part and he even goes on to describe um, you know really what he means by that, and he says N- now a redeemed person is not one who is saved by something. The redeemed person is one who outgrows the limitations. Of which he has placed upon his own life,
0: mm.
1: uh, a redeemed person is not one who is saved by something. A redeemed person is one who outgrows the limitations of which he has placed upon his own life. So redemption is not—it's not, not going to no one's going to give it to yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be bestowed upon you. You can pray for it. Uh, what you need to pray for is that capacity yeah. to grow and to outgrow what he says outgrow the limitations which he has placed on his own yeah that's
0: fantastic it's
1: if that's a you know pretty
0: unique description of redemption but well he also does but does say though though, that there are helpers but they can't do it for us and when he speaks of the rishis and the sages and you know he's speaking of Mm
1: -hmm. of
0: of you know those those divinities and so on that have, have come to help us and that we can pray to you know, and we can ask for guidance from them, but, you know, they, they have to help show us the way, uh, to that, to that, that, um, transformation within, uh, they can't necessarily do it, do it for us is what he's getting at. Um, you know, but they can, they can strengthen us and they can help us find those resources within ourselves when we don't think we have them and point us in directions that we may not have knew, you know, existed and so on. Uh, but at the same time, there's a, there is a personal responsibility to it. you know, I, I like that. I like that message because I think a lot of times, especially today, we think that, and it's not just today, it's been forever. You know, we've always been this way as a human species, it seems, but we think that we're going to make laws or legislate our way or choose the right leader for this perfect utopian society. And then everything's going to be okay. And, you know, the point is, is that that's never worked and it never will. The way society changes is by groups of individuals making individual changes and that adding up to this sort of new paradigm of activity and action and vibration that's created by those individual units, like the cells of the body. You know, so if every cell is healthy in the body, then the whole body is healthy. But if, you know, there's, cancerous growths and there's, you know, negative and, you know, unhealthy cells and so on, the whole body is affected. And that's like, we as an individual are like that, that cell in the body. The only way we can make the body healthy is to buy, you know, is to be that, that, that transformed individual and to take responsibility for our own, our own actions and so on. And even talked about how that, that spills over into the, the health of the earth, And, you know, our actions and our lack of integrity and our our negative sort of thoughts and our our negative and destructive actions on, you know, with, with even just within the sort of human family tends to reproduce itself outwardly in the in the earth. You know, and he talks about the sickness of the earth and so on. And, you know, this this was at a time, obviously, you know, before even. We knew, well, I mean, they knew that the, the challenges that were going on ecologically and so on and at that time, but it's much more apparent now for sure. And so, you know, we're seeing what our actions and our consciousness are doing and, you know, it ain't pretty. So, you know, the, his point to this whole thing, though, is like, well, why, you know, why should I do anything different if the millions of other people are not going to do anything differently then why, what good does it do if I change and his point is it does a great deal of good, you know, because that one that one beacon of light can make a huge difference. But more importantly, you're responsible for your own life and your own soul in this particular incarnation you're in. And so it's your duty to make that, you know, to do those those right things and to do the best for yourself. And, you know, he talked about a little bit about reincarnation and so on and how, you you know, you carry that forward, you carry those those good deeds and those lessons and those positive, you know, those positive accumulations of, of karma and so on. He didn't use the word karma, but he said, you carry that, you know, that sort of those seeds and so forth forward with you. So, you know, it's, and and it does change things. That's the thing about it. It's like our own individual actions are are huge. And, you know, speaking of Jung, as you did earlier, just kind of adding to that, you know, they had asked Jung after, You know, it was in the—I believe it was in the late '40s, early '50s. It was after um, after the bomb and so on had been discovered, and people were starting to feel, you know, threatened by the presence of nuclear weapons and so on. Um, Atomic bomb. You know, uh, a person had asked him—I think it was a a journalist—if you know, if he thought that we were going to survive, and he said, "Only if enough people become conscious." And so he really pointed out the fact that the individuals had to be more conscious. They are responsible for their own development. And then if enough people do that, you know, there's that sort of morphic resonance that takes place where, you know, the other people are sort of swept along. Uh, So, you know, and that's, that's the power of doing those things on an individual level. First, it's our duty to, you know, because it's our life and it's our soul secondly it spreads out you know it spreads out into the the body quote unquote or the world or the you know the earth that we inhabit and thus uh is important for us to do that as well so
1: you know he could have been talking about climate change today you know that's an argument a lot of people make it's like well yeah i want to do what i can do but if these other developing nations don't stop their coal plants you know, my carbon footprint isn't gonna make mm-hmm. that much of a difference. But it yeah. does though. You know, on the personal well, on the especially collective
0: the hundredth yeah. monkey,
1: right? You know, the notion that if a hundred people do something, you know, a hundred and first person will just automatically know how to do it. Look how quickly we adopted cell phones and all these other things. There wasn't a law. We weren't coerced into doing it or you know, it just seemed like it happened very naturally. We took to all these things, just like we did with the car and the radio and TV and everything yeah. else along the way yeah. um you know uh so but each person kind of had to do it and then it just seemed like one day everybody knew That's it. it's a great point and you know you, you just kind of take it for granted after a while that you
0: look i i there's a lot of things and these are you know things that you've got to be a little bit older to remember but you know, I I remember going into restaurants uh, and, and, you know, and people, people were smoking inside restaurants. There was smoking and non-smoking sections. I mean, you're in a closed building, right? So it's like, what's the difference between smoke? Everybody's smoking. You're, you know, yeah. it's just whether or not you're right in the middle of it or, or sitting in a car, you know, with your, with your, with your family or something with all the windows rolled up and four, you know, four adults smoking unfiltered camel cigarettes and stuff. And, you know, if you're old enough to remember this, you know, You remember that was just taken for granted. That was just business as usual. You know, older people can remember when it was business as usual that, you know, there were separate, separate fountains for African-Americans and white people. And that was just taken for granted for a long time. Well, it's just the way it is. So the things that we take for granted are oftentimes very wrong and very destructive and very negative. Um, And just, you know, just the same, you know, these positive things, these transformative things that we're doing can become business as usual, you know, become, it can become business as usual to be compassionate to, you know, to, to, to share instead of being, you know, greedy and hoarding things. It can become business as usual for us to use our resources in that, like the best way we can and to not waste things, you know, and to live in, you know, accordance with nature instead of trying to fight it all the time. And there are ways to do this now that are available that we could completely change our lifestyle. Each person has to do it, though, and has to adopt it. And that's where I think we're waiting for someone to come along and, you know, make some grand gesture and say, "Okay, now we're all going to get on board with this new way of living. And this is this is going to save us all but it doesn't work that way. It works, it works its way up. It's a grassroots thing. You know, leaders rarely cause things to happen They're They usually ride the quest, the crest of a wave of change, you know, and that's the thing about it. Or they, they're saying something that really resonates with people during a specific time and place because that change is occurring amongst individuals and they, they become like a figurehead for that, that change in that movement. But it's not like someone comes along and, you know, rarely, rarely it does happen, but rarely someone comes along and top down changes everything. You know, it's usually a sort of a reflexive effort between the grassroots and then the the leaders who start to realize that, you know, a change is going to come and they want to be a part of it. They don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Right. So,
1: well, that was Gandhi's uh you know, a large part of how Gandhi was so effective uh, in India, uh, getting out of colonial rule, uh, there was the power of Mm. the loom, Mm -hmm. um, that every household had a loom. And if you could weave something, a rug, you know, bolt of fabric, um, or whatever, then you can get out of this, you know, I guess we have, it. you know, multinational corporations now doing all this stuff, but the colonial rule, that um, that was it was one thing. There was you know peaceful non mm-hmm. nonviolent uh, resistance, um, but this, it was one of the activities that each individual could do. Every household well, that, had a loom, and they could be doing something for the effort to free. And that themselves. was a
0: response to globalization because India found itself purchasing its fabric from from the UK, and then the UK, you know, and the English. Empire at the time said we're not going to give you fabric, and you know, so that's where Gandhi said, "Well, we're going to be self-sufficient. Then we're going to weave our own fabric." And that's Mm -hmm. now go ahead. But
1: oh no, but but he didn't like by decree, you know, cause some, you know, weaving factory to be commissioned. individuals it was, it was was a bunch of people. Yeah, it was a bunch of you and me's. You know, and that's that's, uh, yeah, absolutely, and and
0: and you know that was that was, it's a great example of that. And, you know, those kinds of things, if, you know, for example, we're trying to, you know, create a more sort of ecological way of living for ourselves or a more compassionate way of living for ourselves, you know, that we we start that in our own, our own efforts. So that if, you know, there's something we see that we don't like out there, you know, people should be doing this with, you know, we should outlaw, you know, plastic bags, know something, and that that's a good that's definitely good and I'm glad they're doing those sorts of things but you know if we just brought our own bags to the grocery store for example uh they're, they're you know they'd stop providing plastic bags cuz grocery stores aren't trying to lose any money they're not going to buy a bunch of bags that people aren't using so it's like oftentimes we can just vote with with a with sort of abstinence you know if you just don't do things and you don't support certain things you know they 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 tend to fall away and if you start being more self sufficient like you're talking about with the, with the um the weaving thing the loom at home and so on you know not that you're necessarily going to weave your own own fabric but but you know as a as a sort of uh, symbolic thing you know do start start being more self sufficient we talked about that in our in our last show about um, you know growing some stuff at home and starting to maybe make your own crafts and artwork and you know just becoming a more sort of self-sufficient person to be able to sort of unplug from this sort of consumerist materialist um, situation that we find ourselves in which is really quite quite um, devastating both to ecology but also to people's psychology and to you know to to, to people's spirituality as well it becomes this thing where we're, we're chasing after material stuff all the time instead of taking time to you know, be with each other and, and, and be productive in a, in a constructive way and so on. So I think, you know, and people are seeing now as they have more time on their hands, especially if they're using it well, that it's, it's pretty nice to have time on your hands. It's pretty nice to be able to do stuff for yourself and make meals and, you know, have time to, to clean up the yard and, and things like that. And, you know, some of that stuff we take for granted, and so, you know, you, you can figure out ways to make those those sorts of ways of being more, um, more, um, I don't how to try to say they, have, they have, happen more often in your life, you know, more sort of daily daily experiences instead of, oh, it takes a, a virus to, you know, hole us up at home till I take time to spend with my my kid or something like that. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like it shouldn't take an emergency for us to be human. And to be be connected to each other, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's an it's an interesting thing. So, you know, and I think
1: well, we are sure. easily distracted, and and this it's in the ancient writings. I mean, it's scriptures going you know preceding the Bible. You know, I have something with merchants ripping somebody off, or you know the kids yeah. not listening. I mean, the, the problems you know they're just these eternal you know perennial it seems problems, but you know, we are interconnected as a world now. Um, I mean, literally connected in a way that, you know, I mean, the world was the Roman Empire Mm -hmm. 2,000 years ago or the world is, the West knew it uh, or believed it to be. Um, You know, but now it really is planetary and and we know how, you know, one action affects another action uh, far, far away, uh, seemingly disconnected, but there's just this inherent connection, um, with everything. Uh, so what we do does matter. Um, even something like the electric car, uh, yeah, Tesla's going to put you out a bunch of money. <laughs> so you're not really saving any money and, you know, the electricity. Well, I don't know. Are you really saving? Um, but what you're doing is you're, that's one less mm-hmm. gas car on the road. That's one less gas car that was sold. So there's less demand and one more So you actually get it twice. You know, when you, when you not buy something, like you're talking about, you know, voting Mm -hmm. with your absence of dollars, um, you're doing it twice. You're sending a message. No, I don't want that. And if you do buy something else, then you're sending a message that, okay, then they're going to make more of that. Um, Don't feed the thing, you know, that, that you don't want, but to bring this back to the soul, um, you know one of the you know points he he makes is that you know, like I guess the loom um that there is this decentralized um, you know, source or say locus of power or a center of being uh it used to be you know, okay, the church is out there um the government's there, and city hall's down there uh and, you know all these externalized and then they become centralized, you know, the media companies or the banks or things like that. There's one company or one country that produces, you know, all the oil or all the trinkets or uh, the cars Mm -hmm. or things like that. Um, You know, to bring that back into, you know, ourselves, I think, you know, really we underestimate who and what we are as as human beings. Uh, This, you know, wedding garment, this golden robe that's you know sown with all the good things in life um, we our souls are worthy of that uh, we just i think we've underestimated ourselves we've sold ourselves short um, we've talked about mm-hmm. this in other podcasts when i guess with the hindu legend when uh the gods didn't want the human being to to find out that he mm-hmm. is in fact divine uh his own divine nature so we hid it in the hills and said no they'll find it we'll hit it Hide it in the dirt. No, he'll dig it up. Well, we'll put it in the bottom of the ocean. No, we'll find a way to find it. Ah, we'll hide it <laughs> inside the soul of the person. Uh, they'll never think yeah. to look there. Uh, that, and there's a, um, just to maybe underscore this, uh, from the Gospel of Thomas, uh, one of the Gospels that's not in, in the uh, canonized Bible, uh, number 29, Jesus says, if the flesh came into being because of spirit, that is a marvel. But if spirit came into being because of the body, that is a marvel of marvels. Yet I marvel at how great this wealth has come to dwell in this poverty. This great wealth, being, you know, um, me now talking, uh, being, you know, the spirit, you know, our spiritual nature dwells in this body, in this poverty. And it's not that the body is poor, it's that we've given it all our. (laughs) attention and power and the yeah. things that we can see in the world and our position of power and who we are. I'm just a little person. Well, you know, it'd be nice, you know, easy, easy to be riding out the coronavirus if I was on my yacht, like mm-hmm. David Geffner, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's sure. all this stuff going on. Um, but we we don't live in, in poverty. It's, we've become to, you know, yeah. thinking that way, the power isn't out there. It's not in these other people. Yes, it seems like there's a certain amount of power that can get wielded through brute force or through money or through intimidation, through sexual power, through government and laws and corruption. Yes, it, it, there is a powerful effect of that, but yeah. that's not real power. And that, because and, you won't have victory over those things, even if you had more money than everybody else. Well, then somebody else will just build a bigger yacht and have his own island and you know, show you up. I mean, there's just no end to it. It, it doesn't even work for those people. So, what um, Sri Aurobindo, uh, I guess a contemporary of Gandhi, to kind of go back to India, um, said that original sin is not that you did something originally bad. The bad thing you did originally, uh, he called it original mm. ignorance, and that is not knowing who you are, not realizing how powerful, how spiritual, how divine, how m- amazing, <laughs> how wealthy. Um, You are because you are this spiritual soul. Um, Yes, it's contained in this poverty, as as Jesus says in in this Gospel of Thomas. Um, But it's. It can unfold through that. Um, We need to recognize our great wealth. That is this soul. And when we do that, the soul then becomes stronger than the circumstances that surround us as what Mr. Hall is, is getting at with the, the title and also the content um, of this lecture. So we have to work on it. We have to appreciate it. We have to first kind of realize that it's there, that maybe we are more than we know than that we think that we are. We know more than we know that we know. Um, you know. We just have to open to that. And one of the best ways and easiest ways to start doing that is to turn out Uh, And turn down the volume of the outer circumstances. Yes, they're true. Yes, these things are going on. There's people and plagues and, you know, all this. Fine. Uh, Don't look there. Now, don't listen there. Now, turn inward. What is in my soul? What can be, what is already within me that can be brought forth? Um, What latent powers do I have that I just, through ignorance or through life telling you for thousands of years that you're not. And if you want spiritual power, you have to go through this hierarchy of these uh, church people or the temple or, you know, I mean, all cultures have done that with their religious structures at one point or another. Um, It's getting back to that, finding and just, maybe even just entertaining the idea that maybe I am more than, than I think that I am. Even if the outside evidence doesn't support that, who cares? screw that he even says in this, we live in a world of illusions and uh, and let's get to what's real and there's a real reality within us, this soul power um, it's in the calming the storm on the sea of the Galilee right that's also in the New Testament that you know Jesus calmed the storm well it's it's the storm of the soul you know that's what is calm that is what brings you shelter and safety in the midst of great difficulty. So it's getting back to that uh, internal, eternal, this infinite within um, our soul life that is so much more than you know our everyday life, but it's still ours. We have to claim it and welcome it, unfold it, uh, let it show itself moving in and through you and the world and I guess to, you know, I'll finish this rant with uh, getting back to the, you know, being aware that your personal power is probably a lot more powerful than you realize. If you connect with your soul power and you're radiating that in some way, someone else is going to pick up on that. Even though it might be not verbal That no one may mention anything, but it's a feeling, it's a resonance, it's a presence. Uh, and that that can do more than any kind of activism or something else you want to do in a direct way. Just being that unfolding yourself, uh, your soul power to be that strong individual that's connected with everyone, uh, but it's really connected with them. And it's a bigger you, you know, in that movie Jaws, when the shark was a little bigger than they anticipated, said, well, we're going to need a bigger boat, don't we? Um, this is your bigger boat. The storms of the sea don't affect a large ship uh, in quite the way they would a, a very small vessel. Uh, so let's, you know, this vessel for the soul, which is our being, uh, make it a good one, you know, so have a beautiful garment on your loom, <laughs> this uh, golden wedding garment to kind of mix up all the metaphors uh, that we're talking about. Um, but that is true strength. That is true security. Uh, stronger than anything any other structure institution or government there you go well put well put you know but you that's like you said you've
0: got to recognize that that soul exists within in order to to do that and you know obviously there's there's enough people today you know with some of the scientific outlook and so on that you know are claiming that the soul isn't even a real thing so you know you've got to get past that and and get reacquainted with your own soul power that wedding garment within yourself that you're building through your, your actions and your thoughts and, um, you know, your positive deeds and so on in your life. And, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, because we're getting towards the end of it. But, you know, one thing he's, he, he talked about at the end of this lecture, talked about how real religion is in life. So Manley Hall said your real religion is in life. In other words, it's not in, in church or temple or in the mosque or your place of worship, but it's how you live out in the world and, you know, in your day to day life and business and school with your family, with you know, at the grocery store when you're driving, you know, when you're when you're, you know, you're living life on a day to day basis. That's where the real religion lives. And so, you know, he pointed out, you know, in, in a simple way to keep the keep the Ten Commandments and, you know, follow what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said that, you know, look, we can break these, these laws, we can break these ideas, that's part of having free will, but we will suffer when we do that. And we won't build that golden wedding garment, we won't build that soul or that magnetic, uh, that magnetic energy that's within us. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of the curious things about being a human being is we do have these choices, we can do things that are not good for us, or we can do things that are, are good for us. And, you know, but you've got to, you know, you've got to do the work and you've got to do the study and you've got to take the time to go within to, to see that you have these resources, those deep resources that you were talking about. So I think that's that's uh, one of these lessons that we can take away from this thing. So I think we'll go ahead and wrap that up there. Um, unless you have anything else you want to add to this tack tack on to the end of it.
1: Anything on your mind? Um, well, I certainly could. You know, there's never uh, yeah, for know, sure. There's no end to talking about this, but, but, but not to belabor it either. Um, so yeah, find that within yourself. And if you have trouble connecting with your soul, this you know, self, this capital S self, uh, the oversoul is, uh, it's been termed. Um, you can just you can ask it, and you know it. It's your better nature. It's your better angels. It's your, you know. The easier, um, kinder, uh, more helpful, more constructive. Uh, even when somebody irritates you and aggravates you, it's oh gosh, you know they're they're an irritable person. They why are they irritated? Uh, they must be suffering yeah. in some way. Um, you know, not to you know excuse the the behavior, but um, it releases you from the judgment and these clinging to these other things and being affected by that. And if something and someone does deeply affect you that happens in the outside world, we'll recognize and go, wow, that really hurt, that really sucks, or that's really scary. Um, I feel, wow, so betrayed. Um, and acknowledge that because that may be very, very real. Uh, and then go with and say, well then, how can I just set on work to improve myself? Not to retaliate, uh, not to feel victimized again. Uh, but to what can I do uh, to make myself better? And, you know, a lot of us feel that we are good people, that we have good intentions and good things like that. Uh, it's not a judgment that you're judging yourself as bad, but how can you grow from the limitations? I think I'll just, I'll just cycle back to that. You know, no matter how good we, we are and how many good deeds we do, um, if there is a limitation on who we are and our, personal power and the effect that our words and actions have um that will be more of a stumbling block than uh, than all the other things so have a bigger yeah. vision yeah. for yourself Very good. Um, a bigger better vision and version of yourself because um, you know without that you know they say oh well, the sky is the limit uh, that sounds great, but if you're in, you 're know, in a space industry um you don 't want the sky <laughs> to be the limit that 's true That's, that would not be that would not no, be a good slogan for spacex um, so you know may your what do they say May your reach extend mm, yeah. uh, beyond your grasp <laughs> that you 're reaching beyond that which you can actually touch or feel, I think if we have that, if our magnetic field, our circle our yeah. you know sense of self is is bigger and stronger. Uh, then sometimes we give it credit for um, then we have a large enough vision uh, to there you go. We, have a, we have a bigger very mode. good very good we'll point thank you fine. that's that's okay. that's very important
0: stuff mm-hmm. all right so we've been speaking about victory of the soul over circumstance a great manly hall lecture that I encourage you guys to listen to go to Manly hall society that 's a beautiful uh YouTube channel that Chris runs. Um, and check out Manley Hall's, uh, lecture there. And you also did a beautiful job on these, uh, these transcripts. So they can check out those transcripts at manleyhall.com as well, uh, the transcripts to this particular lecture. So those will be available and, uh, you know, like, and subscribe and make comments. And if you have any questions about this, you know, feel free to leave questions in the, in the YouTube channel there and interact with, with Chris, um, Thank you for joining us here on the show uh, every week uh, at the Cosmic Eye Show. We appreciate you guys showing up. And like I said, please uh, support us if you can at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. Make a donation through there and support us uh, by telling your friends about us. Uh, Also, I am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. And that's a great book right now to have if uh, you have some time on your hands and you want to learn how to meditate. And Chris's book is The Spirit in the Sky, also a very apt book for our challenging world we're facing today. So Chris's uh, Chris's book is fantastic as well. So thanks again for joining us. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Join us every Sunday for a new show and then Friday for an Emmett Fox show. So have a great week. Take, uh, Take care of yourselves. Goodbye and God bless.